This episode of Laser Time is brought to you by Harry's.com. Go to Harry's.com, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and enter the code LASERTIME, one word, and get $5 off your first step towards a superior shave. Laser Time, the internet's fourth leading pop culture podcast. This is a very special show. Um, I am Christopher Antista. We have with us Henry Gilbert and special guests. Hey, it's me, DC Pearson. What? And I'm Dominic Durkis. And how would people know you? I didn't... well, they might be my friend. Stop it! <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I didn't expect Dom to come over. Like I, yeah, Dom to come over. Like I, like I was a big fan of uh, Derek. Great, thank um, you, thank you very much. I was a huge fan of that. Like, um, <laughs> but we. Were how did just... we lose you? Well, <laughs> did you stop making content? It does. It does oh, right. It does, yeah, that uh, is it. Did you stop making content? People and that was, stop being your fans once you stop. Well, I was sort of curious about uh, uh, about that. Like, I thought that was great. I thought the internet would be. I'm a huge fan of sketch comedy in general, mm-hmm. um, and I just assumed the internet would be the greatest place ever for people who make sketch comedy, and it seemed to be for a little while. I would say it continues to be from the standpoint of like Probably. you get to make what you want. Uh, and actually get it out to a fan base and yeah. all those kind of reasons everyone talks about. I think it's a little harder for me to discover it because now I'm 30 something. Sure. It's not There's definitely good. more platforms and like tubes to find it. But know? it's just like there were all these things like a couple of years ago, and you guys in particular, did you have a deal with uh, anybody in particular? I remember seeing you on a certain site. Um, the College we had Humor? A few uh, that we did for College Humor. We were mostly kind of YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. unaffiliated rebels. We really positioned ourselves in a very sort of like, you know, you know, anarchy. We stood for anarchy a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I remember, I actually remember the wow, first. you got really excited the, about I did, because I remember the first sketch I saw of, of you guys, like, kind of inspired me to do a stupid fucking podcast. Oh, really? What was the sketch? What was the sketch? It was a sound base sketch. Uh huh. Do you, does that not ring any bells? Well, there were a couple. Uh, which one? It was the boss wants to see you. Oh, okay, oh, sure, sure. sure, sure. That which, made you want to start a podcast because all it was was just the same scene over and over again with the music changing, and mm-hmm. I could not stop and laughing. We, we did make that to try to teach people about the power of sound. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the theater of the mind. Exactly. Yes. How is he being reamed out by uh, Darth Vader's uh, yeah. chest plate? At we this became moment? known as sketch comedy artists, but we originally were sound artists. But but for me, when I. <laughs> And I think we had a video game show, and um, we tried to find as many video game-themed comedy clips as possible to use, and the Memento Dick uh, is a wonderful audio Mm. clip that works very well in audio. Oh, really? Yeah, it does. It really does. I would not have Because it's narrated when you think about it. Right, 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 right. right, You missed the tats, but if you could set it up a little bit. We actually, we uncovered an old Orson Welles Mercury Radio script, and we were just like, change the, (laughs) change the specifics a little bit. Brought to you by Pat's Blue Ribbon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just just digging around in Orson Welles stuff, (laughs) you know, and we found Mm -hmm. it. What's up, Hank? One, you guys, like, YouTube is now just the home of everybody's sketch. Mm -hmm. And do you think you guys, like, inspired a lot of those people to come on and make their own bro rape or or whatever? I I mean <laughs> to bring a bro rape. I would I would well, say just the for most... the uninitiated that bro rape was the name of a of a Sorry. sketch that we had. Not that it was just like we inspired people to do their own. Like it. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. You know, it's is it, okay. is that, is that okay. the most it's famous gonna... sketch? 
Um, you... It's not the most viewed, but it was definitely the one that the the first popular one we did. What was the, the most yeah. viewed? Uh, that would be uh, Blowjob Girl, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Oh, with uh, Ellie so. Kemper, right? Yeah, or... that's right. The sketch that she has since disavowed. Uh, well, because it's it's very unsexy. Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, it. Uh, I would say that that bro rape was kind of our macarena. You know what I mean? Like that was the one that yeah. that broke us in. But then mm. those guys had so many hits afterward. You know what I mean? Like I think that's what makes that metaphor work. But I think Los Del Rio. I don't think that because I there there. I think the one thing that has changed is like if you're a sketch comedy group now mm-hmm. and you don't have a direct kind of plan or ambition to put your things, if not on YouTube, mm-hmm. put your sketches, film them, and put them on the internet then I feel like that's very standard now, and it wasn't so standard when we started. Off, Not that we were the first by any stretch, but no. that just that I feel like that has become more of a pervasive idea. But you were you said no in such a hurt way. He was like, <laughs> we, we were the first sketch comedy group. And you're like, no, you were. But you were, you were the guy. Like, Monty Python. I'm watching all these sketches on the internet during that period. I'm like, uh, like you guys seem to be the most poised to uh, get a show or like... But I know, like actually no shows other than like the well, Human Giants. Did, did they come out of the internet? Uh, so, sort, sort of. They had a one. They had like a what channel. Do you guys know about Human Giants? They, they, I mean, they. I, I don't think they that Shutterbugs. Yeah, they yeah. they had like a, a channel one one show that that they then segued into their MTV show. I think. I just I just assumed like these are the funniest things I've ever seen. Why aren't why isn't there more much. of these? And then um, that didn't happen. I mean, I'm sorry again. I'm, I'm a huge fan of sketch, so I just mm-hmm. assumed. Other than Lonely Island, I didn't see anybody end up. Yeah. Well, even they were on their own. Sh- they weren't on. It was a show that they were on. Completely. And, and they you got. Know what I mean? And they they didn't. They didn't take that on the television. I do either. think that like it continues to be a tough place to be to have just a a sketch show on TV. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that Tell obviously, the it, boys. which which uh, no. um, R.I.P. They're great. Those mm-hmm. guys are so awesome. Um, I say RIP like they're dead. Uh, their, their show is no longer. <laughs> well, they quit the show. On or their YouTube. Yeah, that, um, that was a great video. <laughs> um, yeah, I love those guys. But it is a testament to people that actually do it, like the Lonely Island and their yeah. career on an SNL, or like a Key and Peel. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, it's it's great that people that's such have a bummer though done it. What's well, well, uh, like with Key and Peel? These other shows they make these like the sketches go viral. Now it seems like the sketches go viral and it brings people to the show. Like mm-hmm. it's not even I think that so. Well, it's the just show... their broadcast. They're getting fans by like putting out right. these short videos and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and sketch. I mean, it's just so conducive to that. It's hard to show a two-minute clip from a sitcom and be like, "Come watch the show." What was like, it? Last... Except for Cristela. Cristela's the is so funny in two-minute doses. <laughs> I'm sorry if there's Cristela fans. I don't know if that's we actually don't. To you. We've never seen Cristela. That's I not apologize. true. I've watched. I've seen the okay, last Dom minute and a half of like six Cristela episodes before I watch Shark Tank. <laughs> it's on my DVR, and when I go to watch Shark Tank, I get to watch the last minute and a half of Cristela. I mean, do, do you guys actually have a YouTube channel, or is somebody else getting all the views, credit, and monetizing what? your no, stuff? What? Oh, YouTube no, no. Channel? Well, the Derek, Derek Comedy YouTube channel. I mean, the Derek yeah. Comedy, like, Gmail and YouTube messages are like this vast wasteland. Oh, of, I, like, I know, but you see it occasionally, like, something will pop up on Facebook. Look at the thing I just found. I'm like, that's from 2006, buddy. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's the cool. That was part of the cool thing. Like, when we went off to shoot Mystery Team, uh, uh, you know, people yes. are still watching videos. We're still watching some of the videos that we had put up. Is that still on Netflix? Uh, I, I believe it is not on Netflix, or maybe. I don't 
know it, that it there, kind of changes. Yeah, where it is. I I was gonna say I don't think you can like stream it on any of the big streaming services, but mm-hmm. for all I know, there's like a like a weird Baltic one that you can <laughs> like illegal like if you live in on the Black Sea, if you're on an oil rig. <laughs> but it is available. It's very cheap on DVD, and also you can rent it on <laughs> iTunes, which is more, more the the mode that I prefer. And probably now Amazon. Underneath this article, we'll put some links media to consumer. Uh, Fantastic. That kind of stuff. Fantastic. I think you can also rent it on YouTube for like the full throwback Derek comedy experience <laughs> you can watch our entire movie and give us money for it on YouTube I imagine I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that you can do that not being 100% sure that you, can you can watch it on I YouTube you in can. a way that we uh, if you had told us at the time we were making Mystery Team that it was being viewed on YouTube we would have viewed it very bad we would have been like oh shit <laughs> yeah happened? we messed up somewhere oh yeah but that was probably not a notion you had that was while not making a, a movie like well the whole... notion was like we're trying to segue out of the internet into doing like a movie like something that's not just a short web video so if it had been like and your movie will be shown on YouTube we would have been like wait well, was there, was there a hang- like but were there television offers did you guys we sold a show to Comedy Central at one point but that yeah. was pre that was like uh, that wasn't that was a, pre us that was pre videos. us making videos that were really? online um, we did not really no we did not do a show wait uh, so how did you how did, I don't know how did you just, end up in there in just uh, pitched to Comedy Central through a kind of like I mean we just got we, we there was this idea that the three of us worked on right. yeah uh, writing this down uh, email Comedy Donald, Central we, yeah um, <laughs> dig that dig up that script that's probably not very good yeah not I, think, no, I, can, I, can, I can definitively say it's like not very good um, oh because we it wasn't a sketch show no no All it was right. a narrative narrative half hour ooh uh, uh, but it's uh, yeah it never, it never, but no, no nothing else. Because the, the the options of like trying to pitch a sketch show mm-hmm. to television, I mean, it's I think it's a very difficult pitch because mm-hmm. you go like it's like sketch, but us, the dudes that no one knows, you know, <laughs> right? And hey. and I think networks in general. Kind You're of talking like to a, a person trying to make a living off a podcast. Sure, it's sure. Nearly impossible. Uh, Commercial alert! Put the VCR on pause. Ah! Hey guys, it's Chris. Who better to tell you about? Something manly. What am I talking about? Well, today's episode is brought to you by Harry's.com. And if you enter the code LASERTIME, one word, you can get $5 off your first purchase. Now, what is Harry's exactly? Harry's is the brainchild of a couple of guys who thought that the uh, shaving experience was a bit lacking. One of the founders, Andy, has a story about waiting 10 to 15 minutes to wait for someone to unlock a case behind glass to buy some ultra-expensive razors and, and some shaving cream and all this time spent just to pay $25 on shaving and he's, he thought there has to be a better way and Harry's definitely offered me a better way. Not only am I Italian and require premium razor blades that can get through this mess, I don't shave every day. It's not something I want to think about on a daily basis. Uh, so the idea of paying a much lower fee at harrys.com for a classier shave is something that's right up my alley. This is not something I want to think of every day and Harry's will ship razors, gel, and replacement cartridges right to you based on your own preferences. And Valentine's Day is coming up which is good to bring up because A, men, you're going to want to take down that stub a little bit. You're going to be going to some nice restaurants and B, it's it's not it is a pretty classy gift for the man in your life. It comes in a great little box, your choice of shave foam or shaving cream, a razor blade in the color of your choosing, and three replacement razor blade cartridges. Again, I don't shave every day, so my stubble can get a little thick, and nothing sucks more than getting to your razor and realizing you're about to take the dullest, most painful shave of your life, and Harry's all but eliminates that. It makes it something that I don't have to think about while still getting a premium shave experience. I can't recommend it enough. 
Uh, really enjoyed my experience with the foam lather. That was my choice. Uh, and I will definitely be ordering more at harrys.com. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. And if you go to harrys.com right now and enter the promo code LASERTIME, that's one word, LASERTIME, you can get $5 off your first purchase. That's $10 for a shaving kit. Fine German-crafted blades, much more inexpensive than the competitors that I need to use. Get started right away and take your first step towards a premium shave. Last week on Cape Crisis. It's great. I love that. So what I'm trying to write, and we're or maybe even just make for this podcast, we're like a blank number of reasons comic fans deserve, would love, need to be watching Venture Brothers right now. This is this is true. This is not only like why a comic fan would like it, but why it's true nerd service. Bothering you? Kind of. Shh. I understand. You can't talk. You need help. Just blink twice if he's your pimp. No. What? No. He's my dad. Oh. So, uh, brings you two to the Big Apple then. Well, I got this internship at Impossible Industries. Super but... science, huh? Yeah, I used to be in that racket myself. Really? Why'd you give it up? You're looking at it. Yeah, I had a little mishap in the lab back when I was working on my irradiated spider thesis. Kind of soured me on the whole super science deal. Mm. Yeah, I'm not really sure I want to be a super scientist either. But my dad really wants me to follow in his footsteps. Yeah, I can see why you really wouldn't want to do that. Uh, that is the Spider-Man character, very briefly seen. Bra- it's the brown recluse. The brown recluse, and like that fucking that viral animation of like real life Spider-Man thought it was hilarious, but this version of Spider-Man does shoot webs out of his asshole. And he has more than two eyes. And he has more than two eyes. <laughs> and it's played by Nathan Fillion. That's Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast you must listen to every Thursday or Friday. Well, I, I was going to ask uh, uh, DC, like, I, I saw on your channel you have, uh, I think it was in 2013 you posted, here's... Here's some stand-up idea. Just oh, watch yes. it and buy my book. Like, yes, that was a that was part of a promotional effort that um, it, it, uh, for my book Crap Kingdom, which is a young adult book that I wrote that came out in 2013. Thank you very much. Um, and I did this thing where basically, if people, it was part of a multi-tiered effort uh, where if people bought the book, they pre-ordered it, and then they sent me their Amazon receipt, like to an email address, <laughs> then I would write their name into a custom rap song. Mm-hmm. Which um, I did for I want to say like five hundred or five hundred and fifty people, huh. and I uh, each each song featured like fifty names, and I would write your name into the actual rap, like I wasn't just like saying your name. And those are on my uh, YouTube channel, and then I still have a bunch that I have written and filmed, and I still have to chop up and actually put online, <laughs> which is the most uh, Web two thing. That there's like a guy that's like I did a thing, and I actually did do it, but I haven't put it up yet. I haven't put them up yet. So there are people. There's pr- probably a single person listening to this being like that fucker. Yeah. And uh, I did do it. Uh, I'm gonna say your name's David randomly. It totally. Is. Uh, David. I did do it. I have. I, but think I of will. how few things rhyme with your name, David. It's yeah, difficult. exactly. <laughs> like, don't you can't be too mad. Craven is a near rhyme, so you don't want me to call you a coward, do you? In a, a near rhyme at that, 
<laughs> and I was I was DC's roommate at the time, so I can vouch for the fact that he did record these because yes. I would hear him in his room rapping yes. names to himself, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'd be like, "What a corner this which guy is also painted something himself you into." Could probably <laughs> say about the next Lee Harvey Oswald. Yes. <laughs> um, but so the reason that the stand-up special uh, is also on my YouTube is um, at the time I was performing a bunch of stand-up, doing some storytelling shows and, mm-hmm. and what have you. So I ended up. Um, together a half hour of stand it stand up and taped it and i was just like i'll just put this up on my youtube and it was in the weeks leading up to the book coming out if i hit certain like benchmarks of pre-orders mm-hmm. and so if i was like if 50 people send me their pre-order receipt in the next 24 hours because the great thing about books is the 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 general amount of copies that they sell mm-hmm. that, that something has to sell in order to be considered successful is so much less than say the number <laughs> of tickets that a movie that. would have to sell to yeah. uh, to be considered successful so it was just like you know and then people did, so I, I put those things uh, online. I like you know so released them. Are you officially a New York Times bestseller author? Or like in my heart, oh, in the heart, New York Times of my heart. Now that was the goal, um, and that will be the goal for my next book and my next book and my next book until it actually. Um, That's why you're happens. on the show. Yeah, that, that two dozen bump. That's I, right. On yeah. the right of the, um, this episode, it will be called Best Selling Author. DC Sweet. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, it's the best compared to someone. Certainly. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Well, but, anything I've ever written, probably. <laughs> well, uh, for both of you guys, like, what is it like to be like a celebrity now with like the internet? Like, what, what you were doing, DC. You just you, described Kickstarter with basically YouTube. before well, Kickstarter. Well, you like, did. you were kind of doing your, like, right. you, you were doing your own PR kind of with like the, the song writing right. for the pre orders and stuff. Like, What's it like to be kind of your own machine for that stuff? To be creator and advertising? Um, it's cool, and I like it. I mean, there's definitely part of me that is envious of um, the idea that you could, which just seemed to be a very. I mean, I feel like it's always been a fairly elite class, but like an elite class of artists that they only have to do the making it part. Mm-hmm. They don't as much have to do like the selling it mm-hmm. part because they are very different muscles, I think. But then, mm-hmm. by the same token, like I am, I, I. I do like it. Like, I think that there's opportunities inside of it to sort of be creative. And I think that if you are trying to, if, if you're not, you know, um, like a major rapper that's like signed to a giant label, you kind of do you have to. <laughs> um, congrats, by the way. Um, you kind of do have to, I guess, like get you you have to just like tell people about your stuff all the time. And it helps when you're telling them about your stuff. If you're not just like, uh, buy it if there's like something <laughs> attached to it that is a little more interesting or fun or cool or just kind of lets the people out there know that like you do give a shit about them actually buying it I, and I that every person that buys one actually matters unless you're salaried you are required to hoard yourself hoard yourself out to some extent it's right. your responsibility right to promote well, that's yourself. what I love about the Kickstarters like video game Kickstarters especially that it's just these guys are like I quit this giant company and now right. I just want to make the same, industry, the, right. the same game but with a different name on it and mm. give me money oh really and, yeah and it it cuts out the middleman and all this stuff like all they need is like just four million dollars only four million dollars right. you'd made mystery team in a pre-Kickstarter world mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it yes. would have been very natural a natural fit I'm sure we would have considered it I mean it, it would have yeah, I don't know how much. Well, how uh, the fuck did you do it without it? That's what I'm. 
curious. Well, about I mean, them. we were we were. It was a combination of being like we were in that uh, YouTube revenue share mm-hmm. program. So every look, we and we never like paid ourselves a salary because it was always an amount of money that mm-hmm. was like, well, it makes more sense for us to tr- buy equipment and. Mm-hmm. Put it back into the videos and save it for something like a feature film, hmm. and so kind of a combination of that, and then just reaching out to like you know friends and family. Yeah, there was this weird period in 2006 where like videos were getting in 2007 and and, and that time period, the middle of the last decade, where people were they knew that like internet videos were a popular thing mm-hmm. and they didn't know how to make how money, to make at money them. off them, and so mm-hmm. their solution to how do we make money off them was what's throw money at them yes and yes. like maybe more money will come out in this weird like poltergeist kind of <laughs> portal way yes. where it's like we throw money in the downstairs portal and then upstairs more money comes out right. and it's covered in slime it's like Tron uh, it'll break into more pieces yes and we'll all exactly exactly and so that was the thought process and so there became opportunities for people like us to to make more money than we were making before which was literally nothing i mean now now the fact that like youtube does revenue sharing which they have Mm -hmm. for many many years now i mean it's obviously a way that like you know a dude talks about a video game for 12 hours while he's playing it and then it's like he's like i will buy beverly hills thank you very much (laughs) like Uh, the idea that that we were putting things on youtube in a world where you weren't getting paid to do it yeah is like and, and the views just were I, I, literally for bragging rights was like uh i hope yeah I hope interesting don't come off as weird as for asking those kind of questions because i i think when i was seeing you guys there was no commercials on any videos at that point no, at right, all no. yet it, no i mean we used to do we used to do like bits with each other about like youtube dollars yeah and how many youtube dollars we were gonna get <laughs> and then they were like actually monetized and we were like oh weird this is actually <laughs> right i mean and it still was never many youtube dollars but it's always you know that that going down that road was definitely a change in like how we thought about it because it is. And I, I just I just assumed it was gonna uh, you guys were gonna have the biggest show on television. No, mm-hmm. are we still working on that. Well, it's a it's it's not as much of a one to one relationship as you think. No. <laughs> like having a popular video and then because it is it is you know it's not because Grumpy Cat had a movie. I know, That's I know. So unfair. Grumpy Cat. This is closer to talking to my uncle than I'm I so, would I'm have so thought so it was coming over. I'm no, so no, no, sorry. No, 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 no. How does the internet? <laughs> I'm a bit. Uh, no, I mean. Um, uh, that is, I'm trying to say I'm it's a huge nice fan. that you I'm thought that. Fan. No, I I appreciate that. I mean, but there was also you know it was it was kind of the thing I was talking about earlier of like going to pitch a sketch show is kind of mm-hmm. a difficult sell, and also for us creatively mm-hmm. it was like well what are we looking for out of a sketch show that we mm-hmm. can't get right now by doing by yeah, filming our exactly. own sketches creatively mm-hmm. you know obviously we would have a job or whatever but. I think we all kind of felt a little bit like the sketches and stuff would suffer from mm-hmm. having to like conform it to whatever for sure, we for sure. And, and there was just like no one the, kicking down anyone's door to put eco- sketches on TV. The economics, <laughs> even of really? being a super successful YouTube person, yeah. I don't think would have benefited our creative process. Like the idea that we could put up a video when we were like excited about it and when it was mm-hmm. ready, rather than putting up like. You know, we got to put up two a week if we want to hit these benchmarks of like how many views we need per thing and whatever. And there are people that do that, and there are yeah. people that even do that and make good stuff, which did, is really amazing did, to me. Did you have that, um, that like uh, a, a threshold or like you? We didn't have a benchmark. No, or anything no. I just mean like hit. I just mean like the people who make millions of dollars no, on, for on sure. YouTube now. Um, no, we didn't have a particular like thing that we were looking to hit or whatever. We just wanted to make videos that we were really proud of, mm-hmm. and the things that we made even ultimately because we made a few videos after we made our our movie i feel like were mm-hmm. the things that we were like the happiest with ever mm-hmm. and they were some of our our less like directly uh they they were like 
pretty weird. And we were really like <laughs> proud of that. And I would, if like, let's say we had continued, you would have wanted it to be able to go more in that direction mm. and, and, and let it be, let the tail be wagged by, uh, or the dog be wagged by like what we're creatively excited about. So we made the movie and then we, we um, the movie got picked up after it went to Sundance and we ended up um, kind of touring with it and it was released theatrically in some places um, and then we all kind of moved to LA off that and then we all just kind of ended up doing different stuff and we all kind of still work together in various permutations uh, Dom and myself are both in this uh, uh, improv group called Shitty Jobs which is why we're here in San Francisco <laughs> right now um, and I'm currently working with um, Dan and Meggie who were the director and producer of Mystery Team and of Derek uh, wow. respectively um, to try to make my first book, The Boy Who Couldn't Sleep and Never Had To, into a movie. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing in the in the period where you've been like, why don't they make more stuff? <laughs> I didn't I have say been, that. No, it's okay. It I understand. Weird. Hey, uh, you're just, you, you only sound like the voice I in my own like head. I sound like a very <laughs> What I'm trying to tell you is, uh, uh, what if I end up going full Kanye by the end of this interview? That'd be amazing. <laughs> well, how? <laughs> um, uh, sorry. Sorry for your ears. Hank just no, reacted right. to that very visibly. Uh, but, um, but, so I completely understand because on the internet and on YouTube, like if something isn't popping up in mm-hmm. a feed, it kind of doesn't, doesn't exist. exist yeah. And I under, and I understand that. And so the anxiety from being on the other end of it and trying to make this thing that you're really proud of and get mm-hmm. it out there to people, you do feel that anxiety because mm-hmm. you're like, I want to have it out there. I want that thing to pop up in, if not everybody's literal feed, I want it to pop up in there consciousness mm-hmm. and but i also want it to be something i'm proud of and sometimes that takes a long time well so mystery team like that was you know you guys as a sketch group making a film and a lot like most big sketch groups like end up making a film to kind of varying results like did you were you guys thinking of that when you were working on it like we were very conscious sure. of the idea that we had to have a real story like mm-hmm. we didn't want it. Well, we didn't want it to feel like. I think the thing that we were always afraid of it feeling like was a ninety-minute YouTube video, mm-hmm. in either quality of like execution or in just kind of like the like how much are you enjoying watching the story? Because it is just a different way. You have to crack it a different way, and there actually has to be characters you care about and things that in sketch comedy are really kind of irrelevant yeah. to whatever your just you know yeah. comedic idea is. Sketch is antithetical to story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're not watching a story when you're watching a mm-hmm. sketch. You're watching a the comedic sort of exploration mm-hmm. of a single idea. Yeah, and how and like how how much juice can you squeeze out of that piece of fruit that is your idea in like the shortest possible amount of time. Whereas with a movie, you are similarly trying to explore your premise, but you also, in order to appeal to an audience, it has you have they, you have to be tapping into what the viewer expects, like on a different level. And we wanted it to be something that, if you had never been exposed to us as a sketch comedy group or at all, you could watch the movie and the premise and the story are things that you could lock into without being like, no, you don't understand. These guys right. have these videos. Right, right, right. That's actually a character from one of the, you know. Oh, man, they could never afford that hat on YouTube. I'm glad this is a movie. <laughs> you guys know how small our hat budget was oh on God, YouTube? So it was small, tiny, so tiny, tiny, small. That's why the hats were so That's small. That's what Kickstarter It was like a dollar a video. That's, That's it. You can't get a hat for that. <laughs> well, yeah, so you guys mentioned, you know, moving to L.A. and, and doing other stuff. Like, so Were you guys not based in L.A. originally? We were in New York. We all met okay. at uh, NYU. Okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, shot our videos all, and, and the kind of New York UCB theater was where we all like 
performed and, and were in the same college sketch comedy group. And then we moved to L.A. to work on the release of the movie in 2009. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, so the UCB Theater, like, as, as a mega comedy nerd like me, like, growing up watching the Upright Citizens Brigade on, on – on on Comedy Central and then going on like the early version of the internet to see oh they have a theater there like mm-hmm. just the idea of the Upright Citizen Brigade Theater was such like a awesome thing to me like was was when you guys went there for the first time was was it like that for you or yes I, I was very aware of it moving to New York because uh, I was like well where do I study where could I like learn sketch and improv because I'd only done stand up and it was like well, you can do the Second City Training Center, which has, like, no real location, and it doesn't seem like anyone's ever teaching classes. <laughs> full of bats. Yeah, it's yeah. full of bats. And uh, I'm sure they have great training centers and it's somewhere. And it's so great. <laughs> no one email me. Oh, God. And then, uh, and then UCB, which, I mean, in hindsight, I mean, I, you don't feel this as much at the time, but in mm-hmm. hindsight, it was just a really cool time to be around that theater. It was yeah. before it got super saturated with performers and, and, and everything, where it became so competitive mm-hmm. that it's like... Diffi- you know, but it was a little bit before that. Like we, like our college sketch group ran a sketch show there every Wednesday yeah. for like nine months. That was like an hour and twenty minutes long, which <laughs> is like egregious. Like there's just no, yeah. there's just I mean, no room for that at the theater wanted. anymore. Kofi Annan is still trying to bring us for a war crimes trial at the Hague. For it's our hour and twenty minute long sketch show with an intermission, where we froze wow. on stage for five full minutes, yeah. and it wasn't, and and that's not like that sketch show had to be an hour twenty because no. it was great. It, it had to be no. twenty five, but we wanted it. To, but you know, this it, was no apocalypse now of sketch. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, there's so so it did feel like a place where there were a lot of there was a lot of stage time available to people who kind of stuck around and were willing to learn you know mm-hmm. and there's a school attached to it so you're kind of going through the class it was really cool it was a really yeah exactly what i, just have I like wanted infinity it to be infinity gratitude for being around that place at that time yeah who are you did so you guys took class and stuff like who are you teaching your teachers um well i mean i guess the the kind of landscape of the theater was like the like a lot of the, like the human giant guys you're talking about like when, when mm-hmm. we were going the like the big stud improv team was respecto montaban and that was like Paul Shear, that was uh, uh, Rob Hubel, Rob Riggle, uh, and then a bunch of people who are super funny, who aren't uh, uh, as famous, like Chad Carter and all these people yeah. who, and uh, this whole team of really great improvisers. And then there was, you know, that was before like Besser had moved out to LA. I mean, my teachers were I'm trying to think of who. I mean, I got to train with like three of the UCB four in oh, just wow. workshops and things, but they weren't teaching regular classes yeah, by the and time like, I was around. It, it like so I I like started interning there when I was in college, hmm. and ostensibly like for my major, you had to like do an internship, and it was supposed to be like an internship that was like really like in the arts, and you're gonna like really like le- you know you're gonna like really like learn a bunch of stuff, and mm-hmm. it was like the the type of thing that they're envisioning is like you're gonna intern at Conan or you're gonna intern at mm-hmm. SNL or whatever, and so I interned at the UCB, and like I get there and I go down into the basement and like the first thing uh that happens is the house manager is like hey man uh cut down that shit bag that's above <laughs> the stage that is a garbage bag that is like slowly fills to the ceiling that is because it's underneath the grocery store um and just all of this like they called it shit water i think it was like our fridge is filled with that right maybe now. piss Don't water i think it was like it, mop water yeah and just, just weird, like gross, gross like, just like the yeah. gross sweat of a, of a melting. mid-list new york city grocery it's store it's like the foundation of a yeah hundred year old building right exactly so he's like hold this this trash can underneath me <laughs> while i stand on a ladder <laughs> and with an exacto knife cut down this shit water bag 
so that like and Amy all, Poehler won't like get all you want to do is water. turn around as it's trickling out and turn around and say to you, "You're really funny," you know that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but it was it was like it was that like level of immersion where mm-hmm. I got to go every week and I worked on Saturday nights and so like that team Respecto was like sort of like the big like mm-hmm. headliney team on Saturday nights at that time. Just getting to see those people every single week yeah, like McBrayer's playing with yeah them exactly time. and like you know it and uh it was just such a incredibly cool um incredibly cool time because it was mm-hmm. before it was like like amy was on snl mm-hmm. and and horatio's the show was SNL. canceled it, that, that uh yeah the show was well canceled by the time i was up there at least and uh so so there was a validity to the theater yeah, it was like people show. on snl but it wasn't like I mean, now it's one of the three answers of, like, mm-hmm. how do you get on SNL? You go to Grand Lake, Second City, yeah. UCB. But UCB wasn't really on that list yet because it wasn't, like, a known mm-hmm. quantity. Yeah, and, it, and, and, and it has since become, like, one it, of those It wasn't comedy graduation. Is nuts. It is weird to, for me to grow up and see it become that, like, mm-hmm. an institution now. I, I remember... Yeah, it's very be, weird. <laughs> I, I remember being a UCB fan and, like, seeing them do like uh on a road rules real world challenge it was they're like wow. let's teach these guys how to do improv and you'll be fighting teams and right. like amy poehler's just they're like they don't even know it's like amy poehler's not famous to college students on the real world so right. i don't care but it, it was crazy now to think back on that like yeah i forget which team won real world road rules but it might it have been those... road rules idiots well, no way real world they probably stopped. road rules were more used to they were more used to participating that's in challenges that's yeah. why they've, that's they've since made it just the challenge now it's <laughs> not long there's no road rules at all that one which road? by the way is still great is better actually now. challenges are terrific very good <laughs> fantastic r.i.p diem r.i.p oh Mike. god yeah, all right. Yeah, sure, mate. <laughs> all right, let's go to break real quick. <laughs> when we get back, I'd like to talk to you guys about what you're doing. You've been doing recently. Okay, is that, is that cool? Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, when we get back, we will talk to, uh, to more of the guys from Derek. Uh, we will be right back in one second. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Laser Time. In this cool, I gushed a little bit because I was such a big fan of Derek Comedy. They were like, uh, in terms of just the medium of video and comedy on the internet, these guys were kind of the first, and I couldn't be happier that they would stop by. So yeah, if you see them on Twitter, send them a little thank you for coming on, man. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. They said yes. They didn't have to. They were nice enough to come on. We didn't pay them. Uh, what a sweet bunch of boys. So if you see Dominic and DC over there on Twitter, say hey, nice job on the Laser Time boys. Uh, speaking of the Laser Time, you can go to lasertimepodcast.com and find out more about this lovely little experience that we have for you. Obviously, we have a bunch more shows, but uh, last week, Dave and I uh, kicked up our streaming efforts a little bit, which we're trying to do every Tuesday, whether there's a new release game or not. But So last week, we did not only Grim Fandango Remastered, uh, you can watch us stream Dying Light. Uh, and it's all on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Network, and it's all in glorious 1080p, 60 frames a second. Beautiful streams, guys. Thank you so much for those of you who join us on Twitch. Because of Grim Fandango, last week, Michael Raparez um, did an entire Video Game Apocalypse. That's our video game show based on Mexican folklore. Michael being a Spaniard. Um, and I joined him for that. It was a great time. And as you heard, Cape Crisis, our comic book show, did our comic book salute to the fucking Venture Brothers, which is like my favorite thing in the universe. If you're even slightly into comics, if you're even slightly into Adventure Brothers, Go check it out. There's a new episode of Cheap Podcast up for you Royal Rumble fans. I know we're all happy with the Roman Reigns decision, um, but your only homework assignment this week is to go to lasertimepodcast.com. Uh, last week's episode was turned into an article where you can find out more, see clips from the uh, movies we are talking about. I want you guys to be cartoon film experts 
Uh, even if you didn't see the new SpongeBob movie, you can go to lasertimepodcast.com and see that right now. Uh, and your homework assignment is do some Amazon shopping through the site. The right-hand sidebar is just a random cycle of uh, recommendations for you guys just to use Amazon.com, the nation's leading website uh, for online retailing. And we know you guys like games and movies and comics. We have a bunch of recommendations for you all over the site, and there'll be a new, a new release recommendation this week on lasertimepodcast.com. That is your homework assignment. Please enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you so much. Good night. guys if it's okay if i could uh, uh you can vape, vape. okay thank you can you. vape if you thank want you. to now you have to pay for that is that an e-cig or is that a it's uh, an e-cig okay, yeah. okay. No, but I, I felt i realized i feel too comfortable around these people right now because i'm just vaping a little drunk and oh, i should apologize okay, you also aren't wearing shoes i'm not wearing shoes i've been told i have an effect on people they feel comfortable enough to vape around me <laughs> after having just met me and i think that's a big compliment well mm-hmm. i've known you guys you've been you've been in my consciousness for about 10 years oh yeah. i'm glad that we could get to the base with you where you feel comfortable vaping um oh i hope you'll speak to me again if we see in public <laughs> that's, that's um, okay. what, I'm, what i'm hoping so i uh, i didn't want to ask you guys about you know you talked about moving to LA and mm-hmm. like now like both you guys you know you do you're famous to you know comedy fans and but then you're also you appear in other stuff and so you must get like people coming up to you on the street like oh you're the dude from the thing right like, I feel like DC you get the commercials more than anything yeah what I get recognized a lot from commercials um, I have been in oh god um, take your pick some dude fucking <laughs> sit down literally if, name a product what if I was just like a lot of like uh, pro-life uh, PSAs <laughs> or like just uh, like, <laughs> I was in volunteered uh, a lot of my time to yeah <laughs> exactly just trying to get Huckabee DC elected DC Peterson you know, recommending cold stone. showers <laughs> <laughs> committee to elect Huckabee that's your yep. that's yep. your commercial people, people for Huckabee oh Christ people for Huckabee people. that's so broad just people just people, people man Huckabee. that's who's that's who's going for Huckabee, you know, people. It's a real grassroots uh, movement. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm in a bunch of different commercials over the years. Uh, I was in an Allstate one that ran a bunch where I briefly had Dennis Haysbert's voice. It was very exciting. Did, um, you, did you really? I did. I did. I mean, I didn't, but they through the magic of television, the magic of the- they Im- imbued oh. me no, with I, Dennis God, Haysbert. We squashed such a naive I, part of your brain. I'm just saying now. that because I don't like I'm watch so television. Sorry. I right. saw you in Captain America. I'm like, Thank hey, you. Yeah, sure. Like, Thank sure. you. Like, I, like, but I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't see commercials ever. recognized for Captain America as much. I've started to get it a little bit, but one time I was in Target in Eagle Rock uh, outside of Los Angeles, and a, like, nine-year-old kid, like, ran up to me out of nowhere, which you just immediately go into, like, <laughs> like panic mode because yeah. you're like, is this kid's parents? Are they lost? Like, he's is he reaching for your midsection? Or is he in part of a weird, like, paper moon scheme <laughs> where he's going to try to bilk me out of my, Give you know, change for a 20? Yeah, yeah exactly. so weird. Yeah. Wait, no, just give me one five and I'll give you, give me that wallet. And he just runs <laughs> exactly. off. Yeah. Uh, and he, see, he was, like, out of breath. Like, he'd clearly run, like, a long way across the store. He's like... Did you come on Captain America? <laughs> did you come on did Captain America? And I was wow. like, yeah, I did. And he was like, okay. And then he ran back across the store. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, I was a guy in Captain America, and then I was in Target, and there was a kid. You I know, don't it was remember like, that The fact scene. that it was a kid. The scene re- in Captain America where you come on Captain America? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about the weird pornographic aspect of it. That's a that terrible scene. Back on it? Maybe His I was on a hidden, dirty, hidden camera <laughs> show. I gotta go in this Apple store. <laughs> 
Howie Mandel just comes out like, oh, we got you. Yeah. Um, I, did that, that scene connect more with people who work in the Apple store? Um, else? You know, I've been in the Apple store many times yeah. since then. And I'd be lying to you if I <laughs> said that, you know, God forbid I should, uh, you know, a little 10 bucks off this lightning to USB <laughs> Eight inch cable or whatever. We know that your margins on that cable are enough that you can <laughs> yeah, knock yeah, exactly. that spot off it's the guy who's <laughs> putting your store out there and moving. Thank Unless you. it's connecting a space Thank shuttle, you. there's no cable worth forty dollars. Uh, you get a small taste honest. of what like John Hodgman got to see. No recognition, no oh. love from <gasps> the people of the Apple Store. And I, I'm here to be loved. That's what that I'll people? say. So if you're out there, if you uh, need Apple products to have more visibility among white people that are thirty years old. <laughs> Which well, you don't uh, yeah. hook me that, up. That demographic is nicely. We landed. were talking. They're nicely um, aware of Apple. We were talking. We were saying that how the like demog- the like the, if a, someone comes up to you and recognizes mm-hmm. us from Derek, mm-hmm. that the the age that they reference, <laughs> what like the how old they were is getting like like we're like now I feel like people are going like dude I loved your videos in fourth grade and it's like uh, and it's like a senator yeah no, we're, we're, we've been it's kind of doing this for Huckabee. we've been doing this for a couple of years we're getting that too right 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 you were 12 yeah, yeah you're exactly. like oh wow like, right I'm so man. sorry like please don't think about women the way I said eight years ago um, <laughs> oh yeah you said some really weird I did. I shit did. about women I'm that. sorry uh, uh, were you officially an Apple employee in the film or were I you was like, okay. yes it is it is an Apple uh, I think I have like an apple on my shirt. I you, think it is. It is definitively the Apple store. Uh, Marvel is very diligent with their YouTube removal. Mm. That scene is on YouTube in its entirety. Huh? Has a couple hundred thousand views. All right. Uh, to put some monetization on that, some facial recognition. But I was. Is that scene called something? Um, the comic personality to like. Oh, you mean like the character? Or well, like just the, like, well, like I've been noticing like a comic relief scene. Oh, like thinking, that. Right, 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 right. You mean like that type of thing in like a uh, Marvel cinematic? Yeah, is universe there some word film. they use behind the scenes? Uh, you know, there there totally might be. Mm-hmm. If it is, I'm if if there is, I'm I'm um, unaware of it. But yeah, you're right. Like like Adam Pally's scene yeah, in I know, Iron knows. Man three. Yeah, so or, uh, but it's perfect. To, like for one second to take themselves less seriously so. for one moment. I was uh, I was gosh I was thrilled to get to do it. It was so cool, and it was also like the most relaxed thing ever. It was with like. The the, um, the Russo brothers who directed mm. a bunch of Community and are going to do Captain America three and like there's like rumors swirling around them being like the people taking over the Avengers and, and all this cool stuff mm-hmm. and they were they, I mean they're obviously great but they were um, just like it was like super relaxed like what? yeah I would have thought that it would have been the most intense sort mm-hmm. of experience of my of my life and it was just like the 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 degree that it was similar to goofing around in your friend's video was uh, striking and wonderful. It's, yeah, I wondered if it was a Russo Brothers connection. Yes. I thought that was, uh, as a community fan who also is a comic nerd, like to see the guys who the guys who directed the paintball episode are now directing like the $400 million Captain <laughs> right, America right, right, film. Right, right, it was right, crazy right, to right. me. Like, Such trust. But they did, so, like, they, they fucking knocked it out of the park. And as that. a big Marvel nerd, it is the best Marvel film I've ever it seen. It was, you know, it's it was really, really neat because, like, I already was going to like it anyway because i'm mm-hmm. in it but i like didn't i didn't like see it in advance or anything like that like i just went to see it. not because i was like you guys i'll see it with the with the, the plebs yeah. or whatever like uh, i would just like I, I was not there was no there's no <laughs> premiere for the apple store guy and again i'm not complaining uh but uh is, but, that, is that the name of the credit apple store guy yeah i think i'm credited under whatever the character's name is i can't remember oh well, um, yeah you, like you actually get a name oh, you do. yeah you name yeah um and uh, but um, really oh yeah, so I went to went to see it and we just got to be like excited that it was like as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, not only am I in one, but I'm in like a good one, a this really is good. good. One. I was really like, I was just 
thrilled and, and will it be your death that sparks the civil war when you come back in three oh, and just die and then they're like this man this innocent bystander's death this right right wild. right like the I'm like the Jimmy Olsen of yeah. the Marvel world where they're just like you had to kill that guy I feel that like Apple I'm, Store guy that was in that one movie? On one of the DVDs, they should just get you and, and Adam Pally and all the other like uh, just comedic, comic relief dudes and just have it be like, you guys just hanging out. Like, we met superheroes. It's <laughs> an extra yeah, on the DVD. Just bragging to each other. Right, right, right. <laughs> and like uh, saying stuff that we know not to be true because we actually saw what happened. It's a very Venture Brothers concept. I yeah. think that's totally plausible for a one-shot. Robot mm. Chicken just bought that. Mm. <laughs> Oh, Sorry, shit. guys. I'm seeing here. Yep. They did. Uh, Dominic, what, you, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been, uh, uh, for the last like three years, I've been writing for Workaholics on Comedy yeah. Central. Uh, that's awesome. So that's been, that's been the main gig there. Um, Everybody yells at me every day for not watching more. That, like, I watch only things. Everybody. Like, see, well, cause every day. Season long chunks is the only way I consume things now. I'm kind of right. bothered yeah, by that. Amazon um, Prime. That's I, 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 Yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like binge watching. I don't think that's good that's for. The, I love that about Community Season 6 that there it's not going to be a binge release. Yeah. Like, it is a weekly You thing. guys are anti binge watching. I, it's all I do, but I don't like it. Why don't you like it? Because you don't really get to reflect on anything. It's everything experienced all in a row, usually while you're looking at your iPhone. Mm. Um, okay, okay. Well, like, well, that's, it's, it's yeah, just not the, it's not the greatest way to consume content, in my opinion. Well, I think and with dramatic... I hate, I hate using the word consume content. Sure. Well, <laughs> I just said binge-watching, so we're all part of the problem. <laughs> right. Well, with, the, with like dramatic shows, I feel like only the beginning and end matters if you just watch it in a line like uh, the, yeah. of a whole season. Like, huh. I uh, see that, that. I, meanwhile, like everybody would say watching Breaking Bad, like the final season... It became, to say another dumb phrase, water cooler talk. Like, everyone was like, oh, right. what does this mean yep. for this? What is this? But with Orange is the New Black, which I really enjoyed, like, um, it just kind of, you watch it all at once, so you don't get yeah. to really think about it. Right. When people ask me if I watch Workaholics, like, I have to, like, oh, I think it, yeah, I watched that all in one sitting once. Yeah. And that's a dumb way to watch stuff. Yeah, well, 22-minute episodes, you just consume them you, so You quickly. can go very fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I still, I still, I don't know, I just don't have a normal schedule anymore, so I don't. No, I, I understand. Hey. Miss that. Miss that, and I don't, I, I just don't think it's a healthy way to watch things. I mm. really don't. We, don't. Uh, well, also, yeah, you, you mentioned you're a writer on, on Workaholics, like, do you guys have a preference as like you know stand up performing or writing like behind the scenes thing um i like the i mean i like the mick i mean having the options is good i mean mm-hmm. as far as the writing stuff like i'm also just kind of following the jobs a little mm-hmm. bit you know uh because uh, you're on weeds what's that i was on weeds <laughs> yeah. i had a three episode arc on weeds <laughs> and uh yeah uh yeah i mean little acting things like that mm-hmm. are 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 super fun, but they're also for me at least like kind of few and far between. Mm-hmm. So uh, the writing uh, has been great. I mean, I really enjoy, I really enjoy kind of all of it. And we get to do the improv show every right. every Sunday. So as long you know, oh, you, still, you, did, you, you still, did stand up on Conan. I did stand up on Conan also. Did you? Yeah, that's awesome. I did. But you still do improv every week. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every awesome. Sunday at nine thirty, we do. It's um, yeah, we do an improv at show. the UCB at Franklin the, in Los Angeles. Yeah, there's mm. now two there UCB two theaters UCB in Los Angeles. Locations. I didn't know that actually. Yeah. For all your improv, well, it just happened a couple months ago. You don't have to feel too bad. I've yeah, I've only been to the Chelsea UCB. I've I've been oh, yeah. to LA a bunch of times, but I've never I've only been there for like video game events. Oh. Nobody now, ever wants to go to see alternative. You're comedy in a two block there. radius where everybody's giving you food and booze, and you don't want to be in the <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah, a disgusting thing. <laughs> well, email me next time you're in town. Okay, we'll put you on the list. It's on the record, guys. And we'll put all of those video game people on the list. All of them. You do not. Donkey want Kong. You don't want yeah. those people. If you consider Doug, yourself we'll a Doug video game person, there's, there's, you can come out. There's no way you're that old. That's the only games you can name check. I want something newer. 
Newer than Dig Dug? I can't do it. Newer than Dig Dug? <laughs> Gosh. Uh, let's you guys see, want to connect uh, with the youth market, you need like Call of Duty references. <laughs> or World of Warcraft. You did a World of Warcraft thing, didn't you? Oh, I, wrote, <laughs> I was in and wrote a World of Warcraft. I wrote for the Onion News Network in New York oh, before I moved really? out to L.A. And that was, that was one of the videos. I, one of the ideas I pitched that they and scripts I wrote was that, uh, that there was a new World of Warcraft game that was being released only within the World of Warcraft <laughs> world. So there were people like lining up their World of Warcraft characters outside of a store to like get in, and it was just this like layered idea. You were also a, a recidivist writer for the uh, Video Game Awards, right? I, oh, I wrote for the Spike Video yeah. Game Awards two years in a row, the like least credible award show to ever oh, existed. I think yes. Madden deserved all the honors it got. Well, it literally it was. <laughs> what did you think deserved the Mountain Dew most addicting game? <laughs> did you feel like that was corporately propped up or do you feel like the Mountain Dew most addicting game award went correctly uh, I would have to... said blackjack I don't, I don't know what uh, I do uh, think wow. that a number of those games were as craveable as advertised <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus um, yeah that was a... well, yeah, you guys have written for award shows more than just that one right? like what what is, what is that like like just like you just is it just pitching a bunch of jokes? Like, here's a celebrity. What do they say? Like, That's oh. that. What you just described, in my experience, is a lot of it. Is what is what is who is the celebrity and what do they say? And you have a lot of. I, I find in, and for the video game awards, for award shows that aren't prestigious, you have a lot of like. <laughs> you have a lot of like. Well, all right, write up a bit for Tom fucking Cruise, and you go. Okay, is he going to do it? They're like, we're going to try. And then you write up 20 Tom Cruise bits, and then they go, it's not Tom Cruise anymore. And you go, oh. Yeah, who, they should who really is it? They're like, it's Colin Quinn. They should. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Tom Cruise of this or any other generation is Colin Quinn. Um, it, it is, I do feel like they should employ like fan fiction writers because like that's a lot of what you're doing is just like bit. exactly what he described. Because And then it's just like not going to be that person usually. I think that the, 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 to, to sum up my award show experience in a sort of in, in a capsule, I was writing for the MTV Movie Awards a couple years ago, and it was um, they were promoting like Magic Mike was like starting mm-hmm. its like promotional cycle, mm-hmm. and so we were writing all these bits for like the cast of Magic Mike, like all the all the hot dudes from from Magic Mike, and continually writing them, writing them, and so every time they would just it just wasn't going well for whatever reason, like somebody in the chain of command wasn't like happy with the Magic Mike creative and so we would continually be told like write more magic mic bits write more magic mic bits so every time we would turn to our computers the, our running gag would just be of course like okay they come out magic mic we kind of says all right all right all right and whatever like and of course we're not writing that but just every time we would turn to people like okay magic mic mcconaughey comes out he says all right all right all right and then we do the thing and then like the night of the show like so so just like so much work has gone into writing this magic mic bit and then the guys come out mcconaughey looks around just looks at the crowd and just goes all right, all right, all right. And it was like the, our bit had come to life. Like, not the thing that we wrote down on paper. Like, that's not but our bit. Yeah, exactly. And that was really vindicating. That was maybe the most vindicating creative experience was a thing that we never actually did. A thing that we just joked about and then it happened by itself. Like, as a writer, like, this would be too obvious for the guy <laughs> right, exactly, to do it. Exactly. Well, he's probably not going to want to do this because yeah, this is he'll a be self-parody. Like, yeah. Right. And but then he was just like, all right, all right, all right. The, and it was fantastic. For the Spike ones, they because you also, you don't just write the pattern. You also mm-hmm. have to write the like bumpers, the like coming up after the break. And on like mm-hmm. a, a regular prestigious award show, like the Academy Awards or something, it's just plugging what celebrities you're going to see and what awards are 
coming up in as succinct of a way as possible. So we wrote those in to the Spike things, and the one of the VPs of at Spike came was talking to us after the table read was like, "We need to spike up these bumpers," Ooh. and we were like, "What does oh, that mean?" Man. And it, t- it turned out that means just being really aggressive. Like it's like, hold on to your dicks, assholes, because yes. coming up is put condoms on your rabble. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Schneider's gonna ram a comedy chainsaw through right. your fucking rectum. Get prepared to fuck some game, pussy. <laughs> yeah, it really, yeah. It was truly like, oh, okay. I need to talk to these people like I'm a bully, <laughs> and, and they need yeah. to shut the right, fuck right, up. Right. Give Spike your lunch money. <laughs> um, Spike says your dad's never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they, that was in my experience. They weirdly only cared about, in a weird way, like certain parts of the people involved, like only cared about the like the bumpers. That was like all yeah. they like. They all they really cared about really? were oh, the well, announcer being the teases, like the things that were like like, and then in just two minutes, because like, the, but that's where they lose everybody, right? I'm that's and that's. I think the goal yeah, is that they aware. want to retain viewers. The further they can retain viewers huh. into the show, because it's not like you're sitting there watching a story. You're just watching like a two and a half hour. You know, right. award show. So you might be like, oh, I tuned in because I wanted to see Foo Fighters. There's no more Foo Fighters. But then, like, the voice comes on and it's like, in only 120 seconds, Mark Wahlberg punches your mom in the face. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, I got it. I want to see that. <laughs> I, I if only for the car crash factor. The last year they did that, the company I was working at, we had, they, were, they would nominate songs that they'd play at the end of the break. So they'd, like, mm, they'd play up the uh, right, right, right. democracy of <laughs> the affair. And never mind. I, I don't mm. want to. I don't like name checking. Well, I yeah, I didn't realize um, I I would have had a million more Spike video game more questions. Than I, well, oh yeah, they, well they, they, I mean changed completely, right? I, well, they're maybe. not. They had they're, to do something. They're not at Spike anymore. They um, Jeff Keeley, who would like yeah. produced and the host, like he just now made a thing called the Video Game Awards, hosted on the internet, which mm. like premiered and it, it apparently did well enough. He's already said like we're doing it again this year. But the speaking of those like bumpers like. This is from an outsider's perspective, but it seemed like they wrote it thinking there were going to be commercials between those bumpers, mm-hmm. but there were no commercials. So well, the whole oh, shows the whole the whole like video game award show is a commercial. Like that's what was <gasps> no. so not that one. I don't know. No, no, I know. I know. I know what you mean. But the spike one. I mean, because they just didn't. That's got to hurt. They wanted right? they wanted credibility so badly. Yeah. But then I mean I know they also gave awards to people based on who would show up. There would be a lot of like we're gonna give this guy an award if he comes. I'm like he's not coming. It's like well then fine. It's going to Tony Hawk. <laughs> we know yeah. he'll show Tony up. Hawk got all of the unaccepted <laughs> oh. video game awards. Tony Hawk got – he's apparently a great guy, but there was like a thing where – because this is also what you're working with on a reward show. You're working with the restrictions of the performance abilities of the people who are presenting who aren't uh, all actors. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of get stoked when there's an actor because you can at least give mm-hmm. them something to perform. But when it's like Tony Hawk, it was like you got to keep it – Tony, he doesn't read off the prompter. <laughs> like it was a little like he's going to have a hard time uh, – uh, getting through it, so you just want to make sure to keep it simple. I remember the year I watched uh, Best Actor went to Ray Liotta. Okay, and, which I agree. Who with. hosted it the year you watched? It was this is like oh four or something like that. We all would have been like I, we we, yeah, we were teenagers, uh, but yeah. it it he won Best Actor and didn't bother to show up and like and then threw to flock of seagulls. Uh, <laughs> that's, really? That's the last oh, time. Wow. This, last, uh, this yeah. is when he, he Vice City, th- like joke, GT okay. Vice City. Oh, okay. No, he did. Oh, like, like was really yes, like no. flock of seagulls played live. Uh, no, for the, I, I believe the first time in 20 years. Spike <laughs> wanted credibility so badly. 
that they had the only thing that they could actually have when they did it the second year I wrote for it they mm-hmm. did the show live because yeah. they were like we're going to have these trailers of game footage mm-hmm. that we have gotten like Rockstar and whoever else was making games that they that year it's so, like one other company one there's like Rockstar in one other place mm-hmm. <laughs> was, they were like we have this exclusive footage that we're going to play and that's going to be cuz gamers won't watch because they don't think the awards matter mm-hmm. and aren't credible but they'll at least want to see this footage mm-hmm. so we do this dress rehearsal and they also had this sh- like shitty thing where they were like and when you're watching the show you can also just watch it online and pick mm-hmm. which camera you want to watch it front, and it's like like people want to live cut their own experience of watching <laughs> the video. A whole new generation of yeah. directors were yes. born that night. Yes. So there was, so there was the a, saddest version of Sliver you've ever seen. <laughs> it's a dumb reference. I Sadder apologize. than Sliver? No, Sliver. I find I've never seen it. I've Sliver's never seen pretty upbeat. <laughs> uh, but so they should. They, we do this dress rehearsal where they play all the footage, this exclusive footage, and at uh-huh. this dress rehearsal, and then this woman, this VP, starts panicking and is like, "Holy shit." We had these streaming cameras on, Uh-oh. and somebody uh, had it. Somebody got one of the camera feeds, and so now the video of this exclusive content is on one of the Penny Arcade or somebody mm. or oh, one of wow. the big uh, video game blocks. And and so she's talking to I think it who is the guy Jeff Keighley because mm. didn't he do like he didn't host the shows, but he gave the he a little was a producer on it. Yeah, yeah, he, he was yeah. around and he was kind of the guy who actually knew about video games yeah. around that world. And I remember him. I believe looking at the computer and being like, "Yeah, it's up there. It's over. They have the footage." She was like, <laughs> "We'll make them take it down." And he was like, "Got From the internet? What no, do you know? <laughs> it doesn't work <laughs> like that. It's over." And she's like, "Well, we'll never work with them again." It's like, "No, they refuse to work with us." <laughs> That's the whole. We have nothing. Like, just, it was really brutal. Uh, uh, I'll send a telegraph to the internet asking them to remove it. Hopefully, I, it'll be- I wanted to uh, DC ask you really quickly about um, the audiobooks. Like, oh sure. The- so um, I, I've been listening to the the Crap Kingdom one oh, sweet. recently, and um, what's it like being like the only like to just read your own book and play all the characters and to like and was that your decision? Did they pitch to do um, an actor? You get, I think that you kind that's kind of an option that you have if you're like a writer and they're going to do an audiobook of your book. I think that they, for the most part, I imagine, unless you are like unconscionably bad at reading your own material which I doubt you would be because you like know your you know your 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 book right mm-hmm. they are, they were like do you want to read your your book and I was like yeah totally I would love to that seems like a really cool um, opportunity uh, it also is great for them because I don't think that I think in one case I got paid a little bit of money to do it, but it's still cheaper than hiring like a professional <laughs> audiobook reader because those yeah. guys they don't make the most money ever. But some of them are like that's like what that's, they do. For that's their all whole the job, guy right? from Peach Dragon does. Oh really? I'm not kidding. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, and good for him. Um, but uh, but it's it was I really was excited to um, to do it, and it's weird because before I did it, I wasn't like super into audiobooks, but since I've done it, I've mm. now become like a giant audiobook fiend Mm -hmm. and uh there are just like readers where you won't necessarily listen to a book just because they're reading it but you're Mm -hmm. like it definitely helps yeah but i was happy with mine not to take anything away from people that especially people that read like fiction audiobooks because i think it's kind of it's kind of difficult like Mm -hmm. um but i definitely sometimes feel like when i listen to um some fiction audiobooks it does get a little drama camp up in that piece <laughs> and so I was I was I was thrilled to get to do mine and like try to keep it like how I would want it I guess mm. like it was mm-hmm. it, I got to um, exert more control over it that way yeah and you could like instead of giving direction you could just say like well I know how Gark would talk this yeah exactly and like also too like if I if, if somebody else were doing it it's not something I would have any level of involvement in mm. 
Like they would just give it to some guy and he would do it. And that would be cool in in its own way. You know, divorce I mean? yourself from it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it, it's something that I was able to do. And, and, and it's something that I thought would be really fun. And I am like, you know, we were joking about Orson Welles earlier, but I definitely like yeah. that is an era of entertainment that mm-hmm. I do kind of fetishize. You know what I mean? Like that kind yeah, of radio um, uh, thing. And, and so it was uh, it was I was really happy to get to do it. And also, especially on that one, I think like um, uh, they you end up it's weird. You're talking a ton, which I'm sure you guys, given that you've recorded four podcasts today, can sympathize with. <sighs> um, and uh, something that happens is that you end up kind of burping a great deal. <laughs> uh, weirdly, you're just like wow. expelling so much air that eventually it's just kind of like, like just these weird, like almost like the equi- the the burp equivalent of like a dry heave, where there's no force behind it it's just like a little like just from the deepest recesses of your soul and i always thought that time, marked the like that's the new page oh <laughs> yes i did tell him to leave him in so i'm glad you noticed that it should be for, uh, for the footnotes <laughs> yeah exactly that's a footnote <laughs> right <laughs> totally so um i had the second the, my book crack crap kingdom mm-hmm. the engineer was like this very stonery dude and he was like uh he was like oh dude uh sorry about that kind of kind of burping a lot <laughs> Let's take it back. And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool." I was like, "Sorry about that." Yeah, I was like, "You should cut them into a uh, like a, just a file of their own that's just all burps." And he was like, "Dude, I already have." I already. Have. <laughs> and uh, then at oh. the end, I was like, "Dude, you got to send me that burp thing." And he's like, "Cool, cool, cool." And then he like never has. And so I was just somewhere that guy is maybe has like an incredible like synth pop project oh, in Germany that's I just all my burps right there in Skrillex's inbox. Let's <laughs> Remix to Oblivion. Oh, Skrillex's inbox. That's a uh, free got, improv troop name for someone out there. You, got, you guys have made me laugh more than most people on the internet ever. Um, well, I well, didn't, and I'm, I love that you're still right. I just, I, I always, I did think it was a weird. My, my books are not a weird right. uh, medium to write in. But why did right. you choose books? Um, Why did I say books with a southern accent? Books. Why did y'all choose books? Well, and one books. could argue it's 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 the main medium people write in. It, but, <laughs> so like, but, but you you write it you write in tele. Is, That's true. Do you think it's is it easier to write just like I'm making a book? Leave me alone. Approve um, this or don't. It, it is in that way. It is yeah. in what you just said. Like the, it's very solitary, and like mm-hmm. I can decide. It's um. All of these other mediums, TV, mm-hmm. you know, film, like obviously they're all like super collaborative, which mm-hmm. is really cool. But then part of that inherently means like you have to get other people on board. You have yeah. to get money. You have to get all these things. Whereas like I could sit down right now on my computer and from what I, what little I know about say like George R. R. Martin, this is kind of what motivated him to write like Game of Thrones is he mm-hmm. kept like writing these things and was like this should be TV this should be a movie mm-hmm. and they were like it's too expensive it's too big or whatever and he was like fuck you guys I'm just gonna like <laughs> do what you can only do in a book right yeah. and like make all of these insane crazy worlds and, and characters and, 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 and then ultimately of course they were like it's so good we want to make it into a, twi- a TV show Woo. and he must have been like <laughs> Fuck you guys! <laughs> Give uh, me the money. Um, but it, it's it's neat for that reason. The fact that I can sit and literally like I can do a thing on my computer, and that is the form that you will get it in. You know I, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I would find it very daunting if I was yeah. like going to write a novel or so. Well, because it is. I mean, also what DC saying too is like if I write a script, I know that's not the finished form. Ever. Yeah. yeah. You okay. can read that script, and you can read scripts of movies and screenplays, but no one considers that the finished 
form, like mm-hmm. eventually that what you write on the page is like straight up what is the finished book, and as such, it has to be folded over so many times and like right. combed through, and and just every everything is so important. And is the, your work with television more collaborative? In it is. Way? I mean, yeah, it has. It is. I mean, when you're working on a show, I mean, any any television show or any. I probably movie writing is probably the least collaborative. Is it? Uh, but it's still by necessity. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're writing and directing your own independent feature films, that's probably the closest thing to a non-collaborative it's, screenwriting process you can get. Oh, it's so gross to me thinking of like the shit I put on a page before it was ready to be seen. The idea of other people seeing it like freaks me the fuck out. But I'm not. Over, I could sure. never Tell write us a book. How to get over that fear? <laughs> <laughs> The yes. fear of having people read. There's always an anxiety of, like, did it... I mean, you know, even just turning... Like, if you turn in... I'll turn in a workaholic script and be like, is someone just going to call me out on this whole scene being straight up not good or something? Or, right. you know, you have that kind of paranoia about it, but no one's reading it from that standpoint. No one's reading... No one's going to read your thing thinking, like, all right, where am I going to find the reason to tell him he's not a writer? Nobody wants you to fail. Or tell him yeah, exactly. that this isn't a piece of... Uh, right. People okay. are looking at it going, like, okay, well, how... Hey, maybe this needs work or whatever, and you and you just also have to actually be genuinely open to that feedback. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it will probably be because I taught a bunch of sketch classes at UCB, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who actually, you know, had that exact thing when you're like, "Why are you taking this class?" And it's like, "Well, I just want to, I just write stuff, but I don't know if it's any good, and I and I want to show it to people." And the people who came in with the mindset of like, "I want to show it to people to make it better," mm-hmm. and then there's people who want to like, "I want to show it to other people so that they can sign off on it as being done." Somebody validate, and then right. I can, exactly. and then I can just go, "Thank you, I'm finished." Yeah, but and and the, the latter have a difficult road, and I think it is a kind of fear of having your writing judged and all that stuff. I, I'm, but, I'm way there. Yeah, I mean, like, it's weird. It's like, on the one hand, you do... It's, it's words by the pound, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the fact like the, that you wrote something does not inherently make it good, valuable, <laughs> any of those things. But we do have this very... This 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 almost, like, maternal instinct yeah. towards the things that we write where we're just like, but I wrote it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And I totally understand mm-hmm. that. But something that was really nice about Sketch is I feel like it inured me to the the act of looking at an entire page that I like slaved over mm-hmm. and just being like, that goes, That's a that good- goes, you know, like just, and, 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 and being very, um, uh, b- like 98% brutal towards your own work, mm-hmm. not hundred percent brutal. Cause then you would jump off a building, but like being like really, really like holding it to a high standard or trying to, and, and, and just really looking at it for what it is, but not being so hard on yourself or so discouraging that you ultimately just don't even do it. Anymore. And the context is important too. Totally. Like it's not just like, you know, it, it, there's a lot of things that I would write mm-hmm. and then show to a lot of people before I would show to like my agent or mm-hmm. something where you're like, ah, I don't want you to dismiss. I want this to be in a b- good place by the time. But if there's people who you do want to have people or seek out people that you can kind of trust to yeah. give you opinions during something's formative stages who, and a lot of times that will probably be people of like similar or mm-hmm. more experience or just, just somebody to be like, how does this strike you? And then it's up to you to take, that's the other thing too, is sometimes people, will take to take notes too much like if that makes sense where it's like if someone brought a sketch in a corporate class, environment where people think they have to speak even if they have no opinion right so, right yeah right, yeah right. you get noted and you get a and even totally. if i give if you showed me something i gave you a bunch of notes on it, you should probably regardless like probably keep you know discard like two-thirds of them just because it's <laughs> it's not either what you're going for or so much of what i bring to it is going to be what i would do which i don't might like have brunettes no bearing. i remember that was something I'm yeah that's right <laughs> that's right <laughs> but Thanks. but it's you know so it's 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 just the next step in the process eventually mm-hmm. showing it to some other human 
So, and it, that's like a really important like step in like finding those people that you can show things to, and actually like you respect their opinion. Mm-hmm. They're good at articulating the, what they feel about the thing, so they're not trying to like crush your soul. Like you know, it is like a weird. It's like a it's like a relationship or something. Like finding that person or people, I think, is as difficult. And 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 valuable when you have it as like finding like a best friend or a romantic partner because I think people have an instinct which I completely understand to like and then I showed it to my roommate and she was like it's good but people are looking for girls at a hockey arena or you know whatever like <laughs> we were uh, which exactly right I know and exactly all we need. Yeah. Um, rink but, rink girls rink girls. <laughs> 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 Lena Dunham and Mario Lemieux are um, no, but oh, I barely um, got that. I'm so but happy. no, but but I do think that people have a tendency to just show it to like the nearest person to them, yeah. and the nearest person to them might just not know how to articulate yeah. their feelings in a necessarily the most productive way that's the best for your process. So it's mm. really hard to find find the right people to sort of like shepherd your your uh, your work. Well, to, to to wrap it up a little bit, like did did you consider sketch a stepping stone towards other writing? Where sketch did it feel more disposable to write sketch, or like as a uh, maybe a training ground to writing bigger things? I think that all it's all disposable, right? Really? No, I mean it is like it. it, it I've not, heard other authors say the same the whole, thing. Not like, like the whole, it, but don't make everything working. Be, don't make everything, everything within it yeah. is disposable, right? Like mm, it's the classic thing okay. of like kill your darlings or whatever. Mm. Like you don't want to be so precious about any one part of it mm-hmm. that the larger work suffers. So if you have like a, an idea that you really want to see through, I think it's very important not to be precious about any one part of that idea when you're trying to get it into its like final form. And I think sketch was very informative in that way, where like you might write a sketch and. It's seven pages long, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really work. But there's this one line that yeah. kind of like clues us into maybe what the idea of a good sketch could be. Let's move forward from there, and let's let's write that sketch. And like I think that um, so when I say it's all disposable, I don't mean like burn the library. I just no. mean like I think <laughs> it's important to realize that for the service of the larger idea, mm-hmm. you might have to do a million drafts, and it might not be right until like the nine hundred ninety nine thousand. Whatever, and there's a lot of things from each kind of discipline of writing that you would that would translate to the other, you know, because like sketch, you know, mm-hmm. is I've I've in the way that I, we kind of learn how to do it is like a distillation of like a single comedic idea mm-hmm. in a scene form, yeah. which isn't like you can't just do that if you're writing for like a show with a story. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you have to, but but if you all you have is an understanding of story, you can't write sketch, and neither one is a superior form of anything than the other, but. You would have to, you know, each, but but they're each kind of valuable to in its own. Like they're each kind of training you to do the other in a lot. It's of It's all very interdisciplinary. They're all kind of metaphors for each other in this weird way. Like um, it, it, uh, it, learning how to do sketch helped me be a better like writer of like a TV script or a movie script, and like learning how to write TV scripts helped me be a better writer of novels. And, and like you know, it's it's all for, like all of them. You have to know how to like write jokes, yeah, which is gonna be in you know, in, right? In, unless you're doing a dramatic thing, yeah, exactly. But even but even <laughs> that 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 craft of joke writing, that distilling a thought down to its its essence, is very important. Even if you are trying to write dramatically, because it's still important right. to do things in a concise way, I, I have to as imagine I have failed to do talking about sketch this. Sketch helps you establish a premise very quickly 
Definitely. Uh, and, Sketch definitely helps you look at scenes and go like, well, what is the funny thing we're driving at yeah. here? And how do you isolate that? How and, do we get here the fastest? And how do, yeah, and, and then every and then it's suddenly, if that's how you're thinking you know about it. how much it, writing I've then, seen that doesn't emphasize that? What's that? Like, let's, what's the fastest way to get to the, the point? The right. Premise, yeah, know? well, the economy of it is, is definitely, you don't yeah. want to, I mean, you know, that was the, that's like the, I mean, Besser's big thing within UCB and mm-hmm. sketch writing is like, you know, that first page. By the end of the first page, I need, I know what the sketch is. I know what's funny about it. I don't know how it'll proceed, but I know what the, you know, and that's a easier than it sounds and how many yeah. notes in a sketch class are like, cool. Well, the first two pages, you, you take a page to establish that they're on a date mm-hmm. and you don't need that. That's a line. Yeah. If you you know or whatever the thing is where you can just go like oh I gotta cut my whole sketch we should probably I think we have to let you guys go yeah yeah S- sorry we're fired no you're not no. not fired you're in our hearts forever <laughs> uh, no way um, thank you so much for coming by thanks for having us yeah get some plugs out man uh, we'll have some we'll have Ooh. some Derek stuff mystery team um, some uh, and some of your albums beneath uh, the page so beneath oh, cool. this podcast you guys can find links to, to you guys stuff in your pages oh great um, and anything else you guys want to plug um, Sunday show 930 yep uh, every Sunday 930 uh, every Sunday at UCB in Los Angeles um, yeah my books are The Boy You Couldn't Sleep and Crap Kingdom they're mm-hmm. available wherever fine books are sold um, and they're also on uh, Audible I read both of those audiobooks if like me you like audiobooks and I'm on Twitter at twitter.com slash DC Pearson um, and if you are a uh, uh, a rich, influential tech person, <laughs> and you got a couple million dollars lying around, uh, and uh, you know, just uh, hit me up, and uh, we'll make that movie I was talking about earlier. Yeah. I got some stuff to show you. Captain so, America uh, spin off. I'm, I'm, I'm like half joking, and then half in my mind, there's like a dude that like just designed an app that gets you granola faster, and he's like, I got ten You're, mil. You are not. I got wrong. ten mil to drop. This is, this is the. Like I know LA is weird, but this San Francisco is the weird area where there are people like that. This is what I'm saying. Like, it will, it will dump millions exactly. of, of and I, dot com I, I, I'm not even it. saying it to the podcast listeners. I'm saying it in case he lives down. No, he might be below. I bought exactly. drones that carry the granola. <laughs> <laughs> granola drones. The granola drones. They said it shouldn't be done. <laughs> they said it'll drop the granola all over the city. <laughs> and it does. Uh, uh, oh, me plug? Yeah. Uh, I'm at Dominic Durkis on Twitter. Uh, the Spike Video Game Awards were on in 2005 and six. Uh, check those out. Check, check those, those out, out at Daily Motion. At Daily Motion. <laughs> <laughs> in E-Bombs World. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Henry, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. Um, and LazerTimePodcast.com. Uh, head over to the website. We have a bunch of other articles for you, as well as a ton of other shows. Uh, a weekly comic show, video game show. I feel embarrassed plugging in front of people with uh, uh, products that I've, I've partaken in. So Laser tie. Thank you. I wanted to. That's my sting for you Thank guys. Thank you. Pew, pew. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's a good sting. Noise. Thanks, you guys. Thank you.